chapter 5. Now last week, we talked about this Greek word, gnosko. The word gnosko is a very, very broad word. It's translated in the Bible to know, knowing, knoweth, and, and by other, some other words. And it's very similar to the word in Hebrew, yada, which is another word translated to know. And this is a very, very broad term, both of them. And the application is a very broad, wide application so that you can't really just look at the word right then and there and say, okay, this means this all the time. You have to look at the context, and through the context, the word know will tell you what, what's going on there, what it's talking about. Now, Jesus, in dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, tell, tells them that you neither know me nor do you know my Father. Now, we understand that, that the Pharisees, they knew the law to some degree, that was the direction of their heart. That's where they were going. They wanted to know the law. And Jesus comes and he says, you do not know me. Now, there's a great difference between knowing the law, knowing the Bible, uh, knowing religion, knowing about this, knowing about that, and knowing God. And I believe that most of us here, if not all of us, understand that. That, that basic thing there. But Jesus constantly in his ministry pointed to the Father, knowing the Father, knowing the Father. And his personal life, his expression to everyone there in Israel was pointed toward the Father. He, he had this relationship with the Lord and that came out through his entire life and ministry, knowing the Father. Then he says to them, you don't know me, because if you knew me, you would know the Father. And also, the Bible itself, the purpose that the Bible says that the Word of God serves in Psalm 43, verses, I think it's 3 and 4, is to take us to him. That's the purpose of the Word of God. The Word of God is not for us to learn stories. It's not for us to learn about this, that, and the other thing. It's not even for the, the primary purpose of revelation, although that, that we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the main purpose for the Word of God is to take us to Him, to Him. The main purpose, the main thing. That's the thing that God has placed there in his word. Not that we would know all these different things, and that would be the end of it. But that through what he is, is showing us, through revelation, if you will, we are able to see him, and our lives and our heart is pointed toward him. Now, to know him in the manner that we see in the scriptures is going to take several things, I believe, a multiple, is a, a multiple uh, of things, really, many things. But John says this in, in 1 John 5, I guess we'll start with this. 
verse 19. We know that we are of God. So John now is talking, of course, to Christians, and he is saying that we know him. Now, the knowing, of course, is initial salvation, but it's much, much more than that. Initial salvation brings us into this place where now we can, can move toward the Lord and, and get to know Him much, much better than we did at initial salvation. And so he's speaking to Christians, and he goes on in verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him. So there's the possibility, this is a subjunctive mood verb, and the possibility there is, John is saying, is to know Him. Now, when he says there in verse 20 that we would know him, he's not talking about initial salvation. He's talking about something further than that. He's talking about a, a deeper relationship with the Lord. And you see this in John, 1 John 1, chapter 1, where he talks about uh, the different things that they have seen and handled of the word of God, of the word of life. And so John has this further relationship, if you will, uh, with Jesus that now he's looking at the church and he says that you would know him. So there is, there is there in spirit much, much more for each of us as Christians than we have experienced to this point. So if you, you've come to the Lord, that is a beginning point by which we can learn and know him better than, than we did when we first came in. Now, David says this. He says, I have placed the Lord always before me. And that is a poise of the heart that we as Christians should have. And, and that should be something that is occurring constantly in us. Not that we think about it, not that we say, well, today I'm going to, you know, look to the Lord, but that in our heart, we are pointed toward him always, and it doesn't matter what we're doing, whether we're working or we're, we're thinking about this, that, or whatever, uh, you're involved with, whatever you're involved with, you have to concentrate on, that doesn't affect at all the poise of the heart of course, unless you're moving into sin. But that, that poise of the heart is always toward the Lord, and that will be a key thing in your life to draw you closer to the Lord and to move you on further to know Him. Paul says it this way in Philippians, that I might know Him. Now, Paul knew Him. Paul was used by God miracle after miracle He's used by the Lord to write letter after letter to the churches. He had the burden of the churches upon his heart. And he says to them that I might know him. So that reveals to you that Paul had this poise of heart toward the Lord that even though he had been walking with God and he had learned, he had revelation, he had all these different things that the main focus of Paul's heart and life was Jesus. And so that was the poise of his heart. 
And that was the direction that he was going in. Even though he went here on a missionary trip and there on a missionary trip, still there was this poise of heart that I might know him. And with that poise of heart in a Christian, the Lord will take them further on. He will, will bring development and maturity into their life. And, and that basis, see, that is the basis by which the Lord can begin to set other things on the foundation. If you're building a house, and the first thing you do, of course, you, you dig down and you lay a foundation. Now, once the foundation is in, now you can begin to put other things up. Without the solid base uh, foundation being formed and settled, then that which is built uh, can be on sinking sand. It can be shaken. It, it will not have the steady base that is needed to develop what needs to be developed on that foundation. And in spirit, the foundation has to be Jesus Christ. Your focus in your life has to be Jesus Christ. The poise of our heart should be Jesus Christ. And once that is laid correctly in the heart and life of a Christian, the Lord will now come and set other things there. He doesn't do that much. Now, I say much for a reason. With individuals, put it this way, a, a per, and, and I'm going somewhere with this, we're going to talk about revelation, but we can, we can be saved, and we can be a Christian for a year, and the Lord can, can give us certain things, and he can reveal certain things to us, and, and we can you know, use that. But there is something else the Lord wants here in our heart. Not just a, a revelation for a specific point in time, for a specific thing, but a revelation there that we know him and we are knowing him in a greater and greater way all the time. Not for the purpose of giving information, not for the purpose of knowing something in the Bible, but for the purpose that we would be drawn into a place with him that we could never go ourselves and we could never even think and understand what that place is until the foundation is put in and until certain things transpire in our walk with him. One being time. So the Lord is interested in our relationship with him. And it's foundational before he can set certain things there. Now Christians, when you talk to some Christians, going back to this word gnosko, you hear certain things. Now, some of these things aren't, there's nothing wrong with them. For example, you hear Christians say that uh, they want to know the Bible. Well, knowing the Bibles, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, one of the main sources of revelation for us as Christians is the Bible. That's the main source. But, you know, that's not to be the focus, though. But they'll say, I, I want to know the Bible, or I want to know the will of God for my life, or I want to know so that I can dis discern. Or they'll say, I want to have revelation. 
Now, all of those are okay. As long as that our main focus is wanting to know Him. To wanting to discern is good. To wanting to know. See, we as beings, by our nature, are inquisitive. And before we were Christians, you know, I don't know about you, but I would get into this, you know, this area, you know, I started working on cars, and I got all interested in that. Then I got into something else, and I was all interested in that, and that was taking up my time and interest. And, and, and we're, by nature, inquisitive. When we get into something, we want to know the ins and outs of it. And we become Christians, and we take that same thing in Christianity, and we want to know all about it. But you find out real soon when you start reading and studying the Bible that you, you don't know, and you'll never know it all. But still, that's there in us. And wanting to know the scriptures is good. But it's getting the cart before the horse, so to speak, if the foundation and the focus is not him. And so I want to show you something here. Revelation is good. Now, the word revelation means disclosure or the disclosure of truth. Now, teaching, the purpose of teaching, what is the purpose of teaching? That you would know? No, that's not the purpose of teaching. See, that, that's, that's a worldly thinking. You go to a university to what? To learn. You want to know about a certain thing, a certain subject. In Christianity, what, why is it that the Lord puts teachers in the church? What's the purpose of a teacher in the church? You'd say, well, that's simple. It's to teach. Well, that's true, but yet it's not. It's not the core. The true, how can I say, the purpose, the, the core of what a teacher is to do is to impart. There is to be an impartation. So when I look at the Word, I'm not going there for head knowledge. Uh, I study the Word looking for the Lord to see what He wants to impart. So if, as a teacher, if I get my focus on something other than that, then I move away from what a true teacher is to be. There is to be an impartation in the teaching. It's not that, okay, I teach you this, and now you write those notes down so that you can teach. Well, that's fine. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is an impartation of the Spirit. So you may have, as you do downstairs, you have a story you tell the children. Well, it's not about the stories. The kids think it's about the stories. But see, you as a teacher are to have something in God that as you minister the word, there is an impartation. And when there is, is that focus, and that's what's moving in your heart and life, then you become a teacher. It's not about the stories. It's not about the truth. It's about an importation. So the foundation that we started with is relationship. 
You have to have a relationship. This has to be your focus all the time. When you go to prepare something for a class, see, you must depend upon him. See, that's a relationship there. That relationship is to be coveted. That relationship, uh, you are to do whatever you can to enhance your relationship with the Lord, you know, giving him what he's asking for and whatever it may be. Now, once you have that foundation and, and you have that poise of heart, now I, I can't explain that to you. You either have to learn, you have to learn that from the Lord. He has to show that to you. You have to, to have that, I have always set the Lord, or I've set the Lord before me, always before me. That in your heart and life. Okay, once you have that foundation, now after relationship, comes revelation, okay? Now, there are various reasons for revelation. Revelation is not that you have all this wonderful truth that you're going to give. Now, that, that's okay, that's great, but that's not the purpose of it. It will always take you back to him. It will always take you back to relationship. And that's one of its purposes. Another purpose for revelation, and, and, and this has to be in order. And I'm going to show you, I have probably five or six different places in the scriptures that we're going to go in a few minutes, because I want to show you this. It's very, some of them, it's very easy to see right in the same verse. Others, you can see them within two or three verses. And others are, are not quite, I had a couple when I, I said, well, no, I'm, I'm going to shelve those because they're, it's, it's too hard to see. It's, it's, it's so hidden, it's, it's, it's kind of really difficult to see it. But you have relationship, revelation, and I said the, the re revelation is always to point to him and get your eyes on Jesus. And another uh, purpose for revelation is expression that you and I now, because of what he has shown us, that which he has done in our life, in, in relationship, he has, has shown us through his word and through his ways in our life, given us revelation in so many different areas, now we can be the expression. Now, I said earlier that the Lord can give you as a young Christian revelation, and you can give that up. But that does not mean that you are flowing in, in ex expression, that you are the expression of the Lord all the time. See, that can't occur without relationship as the focus, he, him being the focus, and without the revelation once you have those, then you become the expression wherever you go. You don't even have to say anything. You, know, you should actually have experienced people saying things to you over your, you know, the last five years or ten years or whatever. And they say things to you, that, and you, didn't, you know, about they see something in you or whatever. And you didn't even say a word about it. You say anything to them, you know, they, the people where I work, they know I'm a Christian, or they know I'm, put it this way, they know I'm religious. You don't have to say anything to people. 
Oh, you never swear. I, I tell a dirty joke, you walk away. They know. So you become the expression, whether you're saying something or not. And, and maybe we'll get to that at the very end. But let's start to look at this. In John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Verse 20. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, now you see these three things in this verse. For the Father loves the Son. The word love there is filio. He's fond of, there's a, a relationship there, see. That's the first thing. Jesus said, for the Father loves the Son. There's the relationship. And shows him all things. See, that's the revelation. Um, yeah, the revelation. So you see, with the life of Jesus, you had the relationship. Now, because of the relationship, remember that. Because of the relationship, the Father shows him all things. Now you have revelation. And he will show him greater works. Now, the works is the expression, say. So, so don't get them out of order. Christians want to get these things out of order. They want to go out and do all these great works for the Lord. And works are good. We know that. But there is to be in our heart and life. And I believe if we walk in the Spirit, we walk with him. We don't even need to know these things. The Lord will set them in order in our life over a period of time. It may take some years, but he'll set these things in order, and we will just walk and function, you know, walking with him, and all these things will be in order in our heart and life, and we might not even know it. Won't even know it. But Christians want to get out there in all the works before the foundation is laid, and before there is a revelation, not just one revelation, but I say revelation of him, a revelation of him is multiple revelations uh, set in the heart so that they can be the expression of God in the works. See, so there's all kinds of things moving. And, and Christians want to do, you know, and, and they're taught, okay, you're a Christian, let's go out there on the mission field. I'm glad the Lord kept me from the mission field for many years. And um, because when I went, my eyes were open to a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have seen before. Okay, in John 15, same principle. John 15 talks about the true vine. Say, what, what's the focus here? The focus is the vine. The focus is not the fruit, you know. See, we focus on the fruit. We have the tendency to focus on the fruit. But the focus here is the vine. The vine makes the fruit possible. Now, fruit's good. We all like fruit, don't we? 
okay? But that fruit, for it to be what it is, had to come from a planting, a vine. So in verse 4, abide in me. Now, he's talking about relationship there. Abide in me. When Jesus says abide in me, he's talking about relationship. That has to be right. You're not going to get too far in your development without this abiding, without the relationship. Verse 14, you are my friends. That's relationship. That's probably the word filio. I didn't look it up, but it's probably the word filio. You're my friends. Relationship. Verse uh, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for, this, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. That's revelation. He's made it known. First, abiding, becoming a friend, relationship. Now he's going to make them know, know those things known. That's revelation. What the Father has, I'm going to show it. I'm going to reveal it. You're going to know it. See? Revelation. And then verse 16. Uh, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you should, should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That is the expression. The expression of the life from relationship and revelation will be expression, and the expression there, here, is the fruit. What, what's, that's the end thing there, the expression. Okay, let's go to Matthew 11. I really like how the Lord tucks things away in his word. He just tucks them in there, and here you are. You know, you're a Christian for years, and you don't see certain things, and then all of a sudden, there it is. Well, what took place? Well, I studied and I learned it. No, that's not what it's. <laughs> let's hope that's not how it took place. Hopefully, the relationship brought revelation. Now, what are you going to do with the revelation? Well, you know, I heard this, I heard that, I know this, I know that. So what? What's that mean? doesn't mean a whole lot. How many messages? You know what? This might be a good thing for you to do. And, and Jim, maybe you can start the class next week. Before you start teaching, ask each person here, figure out how long you've been a Christian, and approximately how many times you've come to church or Bible school, and see how many messages you've heard over 15 years. A lot of messages. A lot. It's not about that. It's not about coming to church and hearing another message. Please. You know, people want to come to church and they say, well, I want to see what the Lord has for me today. Well, I mean, that's okay. But I want to come to church to see him. There's a difference there. I want to come to church because I want to see a move of the Spirit. Well, that's okay. I want to come to church 
because I want to see him. It's a slight change there, but that difference can mean quite a bit in your development to where it's not about what the Lord does or whether the Lord answers prayer or what he's going to do or what he's doing now or what prophecy is going to be fulfilled next month, next year, 10 years, 20 years, 25 years. That's not it. See, we can major in the minors. We can focus on that which will slightly move our heart from him. And see, the Lord has to reveal that to us. He has to show us, and we have to be in our hearts attuned to that so that we are always looking to him and for him. Not for what he can do. Not for what prayers he can answer today. Not for uh, what he's going to do this week. See, that all that stuff is secondary. Or what works that I can get in to do something for the glory of God. Well, God's going to get the glory, yes. But, he's more interested in putting the glory in you. You know, than anything. Now, in Matthew 11... Verse 28. Now, let me see here. One of the things that Jesus deals with continually with the Jews, and, and I just don't mean the scribes and the Pharisees, I mean the Jewish nation. He deals with this area of the law because you have to understand that the the scribes and the Pharisees, all the religious leaders, were pounding that in their, their heads constantly. All these different laws, you know, keeping the laws and all this. And, and Jesus says a lot of different things. And, and the Lord, you know, teaches by contrast. That's why in this chapter he talks about verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he's a demon. Okay. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. So the Lord put both contrasts, John the Baptist and Jesus, in, in the this, this same basic time frame, in Israel. Because, various reasons, but because they were so entangled with the law. And, and Jesus is going to try to, to do something with that. And so when he says some of these things in this chapter, it's not directly related to the scribes and Pharisees, but it relates to those who are moving in the law. In verse 28, he says, come unto me. What is that? See, that's relationship. He's trying to get them 
to him. Come unto me. Not come unto the law that's being taught. Come unto me. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke, uh, of course we know what a yoke is, but yoke also can be related to relationship, you know. So, see, you are yoked together with the Lord. And it's not just to be to work, but there is a, a common thing there. There's a relationship there. See, you can be involved working for the Lord in His will, yoked in His will, and not be as close in relationship as you should be. Or you can be be, uh, yoked in His will, and that becomes your focus. So the yoking is for, for service and for uh, work, yes. But it also, there's to be this connection, see, relationship, yoked. Take my yoke upon you, see, relationship, and learn of me, revelation. Revelation. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word easy there means useful. Uh, His yoke is useful. Uh, It will bring expression. You will become an expression of God after relationship, revelation, now comes the uh, expression. So, so Jesus says, first of all, you have to come to me. See, that's the foundation. That, that's what needs to take place. Then you need to be yoked. See, now there, there is this focus, you know, this connection with him. Then the other things will, you know, follow on and, and take place. In Genesis... Turn to Isaiah. I'll read a verse from Hebrews here. Now, what does the Bible say in Genesis about Enoch? It's very interesting. Not a whole lot, right? What's it say? Enoch did what? He walked with God in what? Anybody know the verse? Enoch walked with God, and he was not. See, how's it go? I have put it in here. He was not, and God took him. I looked this word not up. He was not. And it means nothing. That's what it means, nothing. It's one of the meanings. So Enoch was nothing. So I, I wanna, I'm going somewhere with this in a minute. Enoch had this relationship with the Lord. Relationship with the Lord 
today is translated by Christians as being some great person who is popular uh, preaching and teaching to the masses. Enoch was nothing, and God took him. Hebrews says this, By faith, Enoch was taken. Faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God. That's revelation. So Enoch had the relationship, and he became nothing. I love this. This is so good. If we can learn this principle and the Lord can get this moving in our lives. Great. And he had faith. By hearing the word of God, revelation. And even now and then, there was an expression. By faith, Enoch was, was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he had taken him, he had this testimony. <laughs> see, that's the expression. He had that testimony that he pleased God. Tremendous. And we think there's nothing in the Bible about Enoch. Right there. In, in two verses, it shows you the same principle that we're seeing in John and in Matthew. Now, this is not just a principle for these people. This is to be what order or the, the, um, the process of God in our life. This is what he's, he, he's working in your life, from one to the other to the other, so that you might not be here. You could be a, an expression as a young Christian in certain things. And I'm talking about a, a, a walking with him to where this thing is coming out of you always, no matter what's going on, no matter what you're doing, that's there. You say... Isaiah, I don't know about you, but I get excited when, I, when the Lord shows me some of these things. Like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> but more than that, you know, Lord, is it working in my life? That's what's good. Isaiah 6, this is a chapter that most Christians know. Isaiah 6. Now, Isaiah 1.1, I'll read this. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. That tells me right there, there's a relationship with Isaiah and the Lord. Isaiah 6.1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, this relationship. Isaiah had this relationship with the Lord. And because of that relationship with the Lord, the Lord picks him as a prophet and is going to send him to Israel. Verse 5. 
So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. That's the revelation. (laughs) The Lord revealed to him himself. And of course, he reveals throughout the book, he sees all kinds of things. But it's always based upon Isaiah's revelation, uh, relationship. The revelation is based upon his relationship. And then in verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. There's the expression. There's the expression. So as you can see, this is throughout the scriptures, and I know it's in other places, I just um, didn't find them as quickly as I found these. Quite something. Now in Acts, just a couple more verses. Now in this latter thing here, this expression... The expression the Lord wants to make you, of course we know it's expression of, of Jesus, or you could say the expression of the Father, will take time. This process here uh, will take time. It's not going to happen in a few years. You're going to have to walk with the, with the Lord for many years, uh, and I don't know how many that will be, maybe 15, 20, 30 years, I don't know. Um, and, and another thing is, this is, is continuing. It doesn't just say, okay, well, you reach a certain point, a certain revelation, and then you, you have it. No, this is a continual thing where there is a, an increase in this constantly. So as your relationship with the Lord gets closer and closer, you will have greater revelation of him and you will be a greater expression. So this is a continual thing. It's not you come to a certain place and you have it and that's it. But in, you could see this in the life of Paul in Acts 9, verse 22. And Paul or Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in in, uh, Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. So he increased in strength. Now, as you go down here, uh, let me just continue reading. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot came known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through a wall in a large basket. So uh, Paul had, at this point, he was just starting out. He had a relationship. And he goes with what limited revelation he has. And he starts going into the synagogue. Remember, he was steeped, taught by Gamaliel, uh, who was at that time the teacher of the law. So Paul had this Jewish background, uh, had all this understanding of the Jewish scriptures, but now Jesus is teaching him in spirit and in truth what they mean. And so he takes, at this point, a limited... uh, He's 
beginning in his, his uh, relationship, he has a limited revelation, and he becomes, to the best he can, an expression. But the Lord, when sometimes when we're younger, he has to corral us, and he has to bring us back a ways. Uh, for me, I was what you call a lapel grabber, and I would just go and... And the Lord had to, to take me back and then, then set me down and begin to teach me. Uh, these things, as I said, take time. So he, he's let down uh, the wall in a large basket. Now, between verse 25 and verse 26, Paul... Uh, he says this in Galatians 3. The Lord takes him to Arabia, to the desert. And he's with the Lord there. He's doing nothing. He, he is, he's no expression at this point now. The Lord's taking him back. Okay. The, the reason the Lord does this is because he's going to enhance the, the, re, the relationship so that he can give him greater revelation so he can be a greater expression. So he's in the desert now for three years or approximately three years, the same as the disciples were with Jesus. I thought it was very interesting. They're with him three, three and a half years. So now he's taking Paul into the desert. Now, in the desert, Paul is not being an expression, you see. The Lord is working on revelation, or excuse me, relationship, and he's working on revelation. So that when Paul comes out in verse 26, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, some three years later, he tried to join to the, the disciples, but they were afraid of him, and so on and so forth. And then at one point he says that I went to see if what the Lord was revealing to me lined up with what the apostles were teaching, which it did. You see this same basic thing with Moses. Moses was in uh, the desert or the wilderness of Midian for almost 40 years. Well, what was he doing there? Was he an expression? No, he wasn't. He was in relationship. He was tending the sheep like David, remember? David also away. The Lord put him away. No expression. Maybe he was expressing himself to the sheep. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. No, no expression. The Lord started to build in his life. He had relationship. Moses uh, was developed in relationship with the Lord. That is why whenever they go into Egypt, when Moses goes into Egypt and they come out of Egypt, and, and they come to the Red Sea, and beyond the Red Sea, there's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Moses is instrumental in uh, the Lord using him to perform these miracles. And in, in Psalms it says, the children of Israel knew his, his acts, but Moses knew his ways. Because the relationship in this time of 40 years of not being expression at all, was developed in Moses so that the, the miracles was not the focus. 
The focus of Moses' heart was him. And because it was him, he learned his ways. The children of Israel focused upon the miracle, the miracle, the miracle. What are you going to do for us today? How are you going to get us out of this? How are you going to get us water? How are you going to get us food? How are you going to get us meat? They focused on the acts of God and never had the relationship. Hence, they did not have the revelation and they never became an expression at all. Whereas Moses, the miracles, it's no big, big deal. I know him. My heart's focused on him. And so the relationship there was developed 40 years in the wilderness before there was ever an expression. Paul, three years before the Lord brought him out to become an expression. The disciples, three and a half years plus before they became an expression. And Christians, they get saved and they think they're going to go out there and win the world for, for Christ. Well, they may do that, but this is the process by which they'll really be an expression of the Lord. Not just going out there and telling them about Jesus. I'm going to go out and tell them about Jesus. Well, some may come to the Lord. But see, the quality of the convert is based upon the quality of of the, the messenger. So Jesus, who had this quality, brings forth 12 apostles that were quality. Not quantity. Quality. Quality. So Enoch was not. It was nothing. So if you want to aspire to anything today as a Christian... Aspire to being nothing. And when you aspire to be nothing, then the Lord will have done something in relationship. He will have given you a revelation, if that's truly your heart, to be nothing. And you will really be the expression. expression. Because Enoch had this testimony or expression that he pleased God. Not preaching to the masses necessarily but that he pleased God. And so, for you and I, the teaching is not the thing. Are we in our heart and our life focused upon him? Not what he does. Not even what he says, necessarily. Oh, that's okay. But are we focused upon him? Is the poise of our heart him? Well, if it is, then you're well on the way in this process of relationship, revelation, and expression.